the leftists and the woke were very efficient the last two years. And now I believe that more people understand that if they want to be free, they cannot take for granted their freedoms. They need to fight for it. Hello and welcome to Freedom Feature. I'm your host, Barry Bussey, and with me I have Max Bernier. And uh, of course, you will know him as the leader of the People's Party of Canada. And Max, welcome to our program. I'm very pleased to be with you, Barry. Thank you very much for that opportunity. Well, wonderful. Listen, Max, I wanted to have you on because we're all about freedom here with First Freedoms. Freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, inviolability of the person. But it seems right now in Canada, the word freedom in and of itself has become a bad word somehow. How is it we got here? I must say, you know, it's maybe a bad word for the leftists, the radical leftists and the socialists. You know, they want everything coming from the state, more programs, more spending with money that we don't have, money printed by the Bank of Canada. So, you know, when you speak about freedom, you must speak also about responsibility, both mm. Uh, are going together. You're free, but you're responsible of your actions. For us at the People's Party of Canada, we are promoting freedom, but we are promoting also personal responsibility, fairness, and respect. I can tell you that I believe that the word freedom will be more and more popular uh, because if we still have draconian measures this uh, fall or this winter, I believe that more people will say enough is enough and they will want to live their life like they want. And uh, that's why we're doing that fight. We need to change the public opinion. The leftists and the woke were very efficient the last two years. And now I believe that more people understand that if they want to be free, they cannot take for granted their freedoms. They need to fight for it. And um, we will always do that at the BBC. Over the last several months, when we had the Trucker Freedom uh, Convoy go into Ottawa, in fact, I was there myself for about three days, and I witnessed what I witnessed. I saw basically a carnival-like atmosphere, and yet the uh, mainstream media was uh, treating it as somehow it was an occupation of Ottawa and all the rest of it. The prime minister, of course, said what he said about them being a fringe minority and all the rest. But it strikes me that there is an element of fear being used to demonize those who have a difference of opinion. And that's one of the things that I've, I've really struggled with over the last little while, you know, whether it's the vaccine or whether it's, you know, one's position on the lockdowns, you yourself, you ended up in jail. Uh, can, can you just explain, like, how is it we, we got this demonization going on? Yeah, I believe that politicians don't want to have any competition, competition of ideas. And mm -hmm. actually, you're right. I was supposed to do a rally in Winnipeg last uh, summer, just before the election, and uh, the premier of Manitoba didn't want me to have that rally. Uh, I was uh, arrested and cuffed and put in jail for 12 hours for a non-crime. That was a political repression. 
And actually, you have it right now all across this country. If you're not part of the main narrative coming from the government and the media, they will cancel you. I just want to give you an example. I tweeted about that today. There's a, a professor from the uh, Laval University that wrote a piece in the Journal de Montréal in French about the statistic and the data for the last uh, two years on COVID-19. And he mm. said, you know, we did all that when we, we have the proof right now that that virus was not deadly for the big majority of Canadians, only for older people with comorbidities. Actually, in Quebec, only 5% every dead is is one it's too much but only 5% died from covid or with covid we don't know the difference without any comorbidities and and young people under 50 years old so yeah. that piece he wrote an opinion piece in the journal de montreal the journal de montreal decided a day after to cancel him and they decided also to uh, withdraw uh, his uh, opinion piece in the paper uh, that's happening you know that's a professor university professor that has been cancelled for his uh, opinion based on quebec government actual data coming from covid and worse of that he was suspended for two months by the university because of that in University is supposed to promote different ideas and it's supposed to be a place to have discussion. But he has been suspended for two months because of that. And I'll give you another example in Quebec, a doctor that spoke against the COVID narrative in the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 has been from the uh, doctor's uh, regulatory body uh, reprimanded because of what he said publicly on COVID-19. So that's happening in Canada, and we must fight that. When that happened, you are not in a free and a democratic country. We must have debates in our society, and we are promoting debates, we at the PPC. But it's very difficult for myself to uh, be in the national media because they don't want uh, to hear our point of view. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> difficult for, for the other point of view. But uh, you can always count on us. I will always fight for what I believe, for what we believe, because I strongly believe that in the end, the common sense will prevail and, uh, and the truth will always win. And I've used this illustration many times, but, you know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who said, do not live, you know, by lies is applicable today more than ever uh, when we see these kinds of things happening. And like you say, I fully agree with you with respect to, you know, universities are supposed to be the great debating halls of trying to determine exactly what the truth of whatever subject is. We are getting less and less of that. But we've also seen, I, it, it seems to me, I, I don't know what you think, but one of the great things of the truckers has been the, the fact that they have stepped up and they, and they, they said, look, enough is enough. And, and so they came to Ottawa. And even though, you know, you look at it and you say, OK, well, actually, some people would say, well, you know, they failed because they got uh, kicked off uh, Parliament Hill and so on. But 
to me, they haven't failed. And, and, the, and the freedom push must continue because they forced people to take notice. Finally, somebody, or, or I should say a lot of people recognized, whether from all across the country, that you're not alone. I was at James Cop was making his way uh, into Ottawa and a young lady was there and she was crying when she saw him because she said, you know, she had trouble at school and so forth. I guess uh, I, I don't know her story totally, but it seemed to me that it was that she was uh, either dismissed from a university course or whatever because she wasn't vaccinated. And and uh, she said she felt she was so alone. But the fact that he would leave Vancouver, walk across the country and here he was standing up for her, allowing her to have a voice. The common people, individuals like James Cop, like the truckers and all the rest, being able to have that opportunity to say, hey, guys, look, there's something wrong here. We need to have these kinds of people and we need to have this open discussion. Uh, absolutely. And speaking about James, I'm very proud of what he's doing. Yes, you know, walking to fight for his beliefs and uh, also for our freedoms, for our rights. That's great. And I'll do an interview with him also for my uh, Max Bernier show, Mad Max show. You're right about the truckers. That was, for me, also a big success. Why? Because we started that together in the beginning of the, uh, that pandemic in March 2020. We did a couple of rallies and, you know, we didn't have a lot of supporters at that time. But that movement grew and, and the truckers helped us also to be sure that Canadians understand that the fight for freedom, it's, a, it's so important in our society. And after the convoy, after the freedom convoy, provinces started to withdraw their draconian measures, starting by Saskatchewan, Manitoba. But, you know, they, they said, these uh, premiers said that, oh, no, it's not because of the trucker convoy. But, you know, that, that convoy had a huge impact, not only in Canada, but around the globe. And I did interview with uh, mainstream media in UK, mainstream media in France, mainstream media in Germany about the trucker convoy. And, uh, and so we showed to Trudeau and the establishment politicians, the conservatives, that, you know, that tiny minority with unacceptable views like Trudeau said, can grow. That tiny minority can grow. And we did that, you know, maybe from 5% to 20%. And that was enough to influence provincial governments to change their policies. Uh, that's why I agree with you. I believe that that was a big success. And that being said, now if they want to impose more draconian measures or if they want to impose a third shots to have a valid vaccine passport, it will be harder for these politicians to impose that. I think we'll have more and more people that will look at it. I don't want to have a, a new shot every six months. And, you know, that's my body. That's my choice. And mm -hmm. we look at the data. We know that a huge majority of the population are not at risk of dying with COVID-19. So, and we know that if you take the shots, you, you, you won't stop. You will be able to catch it and spread it. So more people understand that. But we need to do that battle. And uh, you can count on the PPC. We'll do it. Next fall will be an, another important step. If We'll see if we are keeping our freedoms or if they, 
want to impose more draconian restriction on us. And, and I must say, I believe at that time, if they want to do that, we must promote and we must say to Canadians, maybe that will be time, uh, you know, not respecting the rules and doing the thing that we want. If they impose us masks, I believe that we must have more people that say, no, no, enough is enough. I won't follow uh, these uh, restrictions because they're not based on science. They're not based on, on logic. And, and we must fight that. I believe that more people won't obey to these uh, new uh, draconian regulations if that happens. Yeah, it, it strikes me that there's a, a tremendous pent up of frustration that has uh, developed in this country that going forward, it's going to be very difficult. I remember Jordan Peterson some time ago saying that one of the things that he has a real concern about is how much trust has been lost in the medical system because of of all of these procedures or lockdowns and all the rest of it, when when our institutions are being challenged, and it's not only just the medical profession, but I look at the legal profession, the courts have been, generally speaking, in favor of the government, and there has been very little success. There's been some success in the lower tribunal levels, like, for example, recently there was an arbitrator de dealing with nurses up in Sudbury that ruled in favor of of a nurse, but recently the uh, divisional court here in Ontario ruled against uh, helping out a McMaster University students. They basically sent it down to the Human Rights Tribunal, which means it's going to take years before that's right. ever heard. You know, so there's this lack of uh, willing to take on responsibility that I think these institutions are putting themselves at risk and we're putting society at risk if you're not willing to to hear both sides and and that to me is a is a struggle going forward absolutely and you add to that a politician that his only goal justin trudeau is to divide our population and you know he was very clear at the last general election you know good canadians are the ones that are taking the shots and bad canadians are the one uh, the ones that didn't take the shots so so and i was the only national uh, leader uh, saying at that time to uh, the population that we must unite everybody under the freedom umbrella and respecting the freedom of choice for every uh, Canadian. But that being said, there's a lot of division in our society because of uh, these politicians that are doing politics, identity politics and divisive politics. And Justin Trudeau knew that by imposing a vaccine passport on Canadian travelers, he knew that for him, the political cost will be nothing because he knew with his polling and focus group that the people who decided not to take the two shots are not uh, liberal voters. And so uh, punishing them, there's no political cost. But by doing that, he knew also that he will... Uh, speak favorably for vaccinated people and keep his uh, base very strong. So that's the way that uh, the liberals and the conservative are doing politics. And that's not our way. We, we try to promote our values of Western civilization values and freedom and responsibility, the rule of law. But these politicians created that division in our country. Uh, and you're right, the court, we didn't have good uh, 
precedent, legal precedent, the last uh, two years when we had uh, COVID matters in from the court. But I believe, maybe I'm too optimistic, that uh, I know that the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, that's a non-profitable organization. They don't receive any money from the government. They are receiving money from Canadians only. They are fighting for our rights and our freedoms, and they will appeal uh, the majority of these cases that they didn't right. win. And I believe that, I hope that a judge will look at our constitution and being uh, uh, on our side saying, you know, everything that happened the last two years was unconstitutional and illegal. And it's important to have a, pre a legal precedent because after that, the federal government or provincial governments won't be able to impose these draconian measures again. And I just want to speak about my case and the one uh, also with Brian Petford. We are together mm -hmm. against the, the federal government. Our hearing is supposed to be September 19, and it's important to, to go ahead with that case because we want to have a legal precedent, and that will apply for everybody. We are arguing that the vaccine passport for Canadian travelers was unconstitutional. We, mm -hmm. have, uh, uh, we have the right to travel freely across this country. So we'll see what will be the decision. But uh, we, we need, to, what I'm saying to you, it's, there's two kinds of battles, the one in front of the court and the one to change a public opinion. And right. we are doing these two uh, battles. You know, and that's very important. And I, I just would like to reiterate, you know, the great work that uh, JCCF, that's uh, jccf.ca. For those of you who are watching, just look it up. See, we strongly encourage you to support them because they have done tremendous amount of work. They are the ones who have been the drawers of water, hewers of wood on this issue legally across the country. And, and there have been other lawyers as well that I'm aware of who have also been in the fight, but yeah. been very, very impressed with the work of John Carpe and JCCF as they are fighting these battles and handling uh, cases like yours and, and also former Premier Brian Peckford. Those cases are extremely important for us as a country to be able to have in our mobility rights, Section 6 of the Charter, to have those confirmed. It seems to me that whenever a government imposes restrictions on people's travel, I mean, that's taking us way back to the Soviet era where... <laughs> People having to leave out of their own communities have to get permission. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. And, you know, I was the only leader of a national party not being able to travel by plane across the country. And I did a tour in Atlantic Canada in the Maritimes in uh, last uh, May, but I did that by car. I was three weeks over there and that was very successful, but it's not so efficient to travel mm -hmm. by car. So now I'm very pleased that I'll be back to be in uh, Western Canada. I'll be there mid July and we are building the party, doing some rallies, uh, speaking to our people. So that would be, that would be important to grow the party. And, and for me as the leader of a party, I need to be on the ground and, and speak with our people and, and working with them, building the party in every riding of this country. So, mm. and but they may impose the vaccine passport for Canadian travelers next fall. We never know. Like you saw in Australia, they are doing advertising and they are promoting and their slogan is to vax 
is not fully uh, vaxxed. So, so that's their campaign, and it's it's running right now in Australia, and they want to promote a third uh, shot to be adequately vaccinated, mm-hmm. and that may happen in Canada next fall. So we cannot take for granted the freedom that we have right now. It seems to me that it's very important in this country to have voices like yours being able to have an opportunity to be able to share what your views and opinions and your proposals for how to uh, keep Canada free. And, um, you know, there's there's all kinds of um, uh, different parties. I mean, a lot of people will say, well, Max, but, uh, you know, the you know, the the, the critics would say, but uh, you're taking away votes from <laughs> from from other conservatives or right center right parties and all the rest. First of all, I'd like to know what you say to that. And uh, th- then I have uh, another question for you. Yeah, yeah. It's all, you know, the argument about splitting the vote. Uh, that's coming from the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, you know, like I said, they're not conservative anymore. Uh, they, I said, you know, they're intellectually and morally corrupt. And actually, they are promoting leftist uh, ideas and they are giving credibility to that narrative because their name is conservative, but they're only conservative in name. And now you have one of them, you know, Pierre Polyev, that is uh, speaking about freedom uh, because it's popular right now to speak about freedom. But where were he the last two years? He was silent. He didn't say anything. And you must judge a politician by his or her actions. And Polyev was not there when we needed uh, strong uh, opposition in Ottawa. We were the only real opposition during these two uh, last uh, years. And I was there. He was not there. And actually now it's popular because of you, because of me, because of the truckers to uh, to speak about freedoms. But it's just because he wants to be elected as the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. After that, like they did with O'Toole, like they did with Shear, they will go to the left, and uh, because they're not doing politics by conviction, they're doing politics based on survey and polling and focus group. And as you know, we are living in a socialist era right now, and the leftists and the woke uh, control everything. So to be in government, they will have to have more support coming from the GDA. There's more seats in the GDA. And that uh, in the GDA than in uh, Alberta altogether. So they will go to the left like they did, and uh, and they won't they won't promote uh, real conservative values. So so when they're saying don't vote for the PPC because you're splitting the vote, they are taking for granted that our voters. 100% of our voters are coming from the Conservative Party of Canada. But that's not the reality. You know, I was in Atlantic Canada. I was on the ground, ground sorry, and I'm, I will still be uh, traveling across the country. And I can tell you, a third of our supporters are coming from the Conservative Party of Canada, another third coming from these uh, other parties like the Liberals, like the NDP, the Bloc Québécois, the Green. And a third of them are people that never voted at the federal level. So that's not true that if you vote for the, for the PPC, you will split the conservative vote. No, we're not splitting. The conservative, their role is to split the liberals' vote. They're the ones who are splitting the vote. They want to split the liberal votes to be able to be in government. 
That's their job. That's what they're doing because they don't have any conviction. And so we are doing politics differently. We are speaking about real, uh, real, real uh, reforms, bold reforms that we must do in our country to regain our freedoms and to be more prosperous. If it's popular or not, it's not important for us because we believe that the more we speak, you speak about real uh, uh, Western civilization values, a free freedom and responsibility, the more support you will have. And so actually, if you look at the past, we started that party in 2018, 0%, 2019, our first election, 1.6%. Uh, and the last election for, was uh, for us, we had 5% of the vote. So we can grow and we will. So I'm saying to Canadians, stop voting against something. Vote for something. Vote for what you believe. And you will be able to have what you want if you vote for what you want. So vote in line with your values. That's what I'm telling them. And we will be the change. And you will be uh, an agent of change in this country. So, And I believe that at the next election, we will grow again. And we'll see what will happen. But I'm pretty confident that the future of this uh, of this party will be very strong at the next general election. See, here's the thing uh, that I find fascinating uh, about what you just said is the fact that you got a third of the people who weren't even voting. They so so they finally got a voice. And that, to me, is the important role that parties like yours have in this country. The thing is, we need to allow and recognize and provide opportunity for groups and organizations, parties like yourself, to be able to have an opportunity to speak and to, be, to have a part to play in the process. Uh, oftentimes, what has been happening in the past is that there's been this shutting down of speech or this kind of like putting the uh, parties off to the side. We won't allow them to be involved in the, you know, leaders debates and so forth, because there is this sense of if we give too much airtime, then they'll take away from the, the bigger party. So that that's an important one. Now, I'm, I'm also curious about the whole idea, again, with respect to the notion of freedom. And, and we've talked about that already, but, but it strikes me that how can we say we're a free country if we're not allowing small parties like yours to have an opportunity to be able to participate in, for example, the, the leaders debate? It's a good thing we've got social media, we've got the internet, but it's quite fascinating to watch how controlled the narrative is. And and I'd like to have your comment on the government's regulation or, or bill that's currently at the Senate right now, C-11, that the government now is wanting to have CRTC have a greater say with respect to social media and with respect to the internet in and of itself, as far as having freedom within just the internet, which we thought was going to be totally free, but now the government wants the CRTC to regulate it. Yeah, you have a point there. Uh, before answering your question on that, I just want to go back about the debates, the national debates during the electoral campaign. During the 2019 election, 
I was on the stage and I was able to debate as a leader of a new political party. But at the last election, they were afraid of us. They didn't want us to be able to debate. And they said, for a new party, you need now to have 4% of the vote to be able to participate in the national debates. And I agree with you. When you don't have debates in our society, you cannot say that you are living in a free society. And uh, and that was the case at the last election. They didn't want me to debate, and so they put that they set that rule four percent. But now at the next election, I will be on the stage because we add five percent of the vote, so I'll be able to be at the stage and to debate, and that would be a great opportunity for us to reach to more people and and we'll be able to grow the party. People who are listening to CBC and Global and people who are not on social media. So for us right now to be able to promote our ideas, uh, what we are doing, I'm traveling across the country, meeting people and also uh, speaking with local uh, mainstream media, local radio station. They're a little bit more open but forget the the national mainstream media. But I'm doing that, but also I'm very present on social media. I'm very pleased to be with you today. And you're right, there's a bill right now, Bill C-11, and that bill will um, give more power to the uh, CRTC. That's the body that regulates the industry. And so if you're a... Uh, For example, a YouTuber that is very popular, a YouTuber, and you have a lot of followers, the CRTC can say, now you you are like a broadcaster, like CTV and CBC. You will be regulated under us, and you'll have to pay a tax. And, you know, if we don't like what you're doing you may lose your license and uh, and you'll be a censor. That can happen. The CRTC said uh, during the hearing of that bill, they said, you know, we won't use uh, these uh, new powers. We won't use it. We cannot yeah. believe a bureaucrat that will receive uh, more powers to regulate. You cannot believe him or her that they won't use it. They yeah. like to have more and more power. So that bill is against against our freedom of speech. And we we have right now censorship on social media. The big tech, you know, Google, Facebook, uh, Twitter are censoring the other voice. They are doing that right now. Actually, I'm, I'm shadow banned on Twitter. I'm shadow banned on Facebook. So add to that censorship, the censorship coming from the state. That's why if you don't have debates in a society, you cannot say that that society is a free and democratic society. I've noticed a certain attitude among some politicians and journalists in their reaction to your party. You have been, as you mentioned, you're, you're shadow banned on these uh, big mm. big tech places and so forth. And, and there's a lot of criticism. They say, well, you know, Max represents the racist. Max represents all, all of the bad people of society, as it were. What's your response to that? First of all, they are trying to discredit us. They did that at our first election in 2019. The mainstream media were saying that we were racist, xenophobe, a bunch of crazies. But uh, we had 1.6% of the vote. And after that, they said, that's the end of that party. They won't be there at the next election. Surprise, (laughs) we were there at the last election and we had 5% of the vote. So no, people who are supporting us 
are people who believe in this country. They believe in the Western civilization values. They believe in themselves and they want to be free. And they know that we need to have more freedom in our country for being able to have more prosperity. And so we have a strong platform and they know also that we are doing politics differently. We don't have a new platform at every election based on survey and polling. The, 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 the platform that we had at the election in 2019 was the same one at the election in 2021, and it will be the same one at the next one. We are doing politics based on conviction and principles, and we will grow. So they just try to say that to discredit us, and they are insulting, you know, 840,000 Canadians that voted for us. That's just what they're doing. I know your time is limited, and um, I, I just want to thank you so very much for being willing to be on our program. But when you can you give us, just in closing, can, can you give us what your understanding of what a free Canada is? I, I have here on my bookshelf, you know, John Diefenbaker and his famous words, you know, I'm a free Canadian. I can... Yeah. I can go where I want to go. I can worship as I want. What is the Max Bernier concept of a free Canada? Yeah, I, I agree 100% with uh, John Diefenbaker when he said that. And the way to have that in our country right now in the 21st century is to be sure to have a smaller government in Ottawa that will respect our charter of rights, that will respect our constitution, having a smaller government in Ottawa that will respect provincial jurisdiction. And so if you have that, you'll have more prosperity. Everybody will have more freedom. And we <laughs> that's what we want to do. If you look at our platform, that would be a, that would be a radical decentralization. We believe that the best government is the government that is near the people, the municipal government, after that the provincial government. And actually, the fathers of our constitution uh, believe that also uh, when they wrote the constitution. They said, you know, we're going to give national power at the federal level for things that are national interests, like transportation across borders, the economy, the Bank of Canada, the supply of money. All that was under the, and is still under the federal jurisdiction. But now, you know, that government is growing every day and they are interfering in provincial jurisdiction and we are losing our freedom. So our vision of this country it's a vision that will respect the constitution and by doing that will have a radical decentralization and provinces like Alberta if they want to have their own pension fund they would be able to have that if they want to have their own police force they would be able to have that a province like Quebec if they want to control 100% of their immigration they would be able to do that but all that will be for every province you know we won't give more power to Quebec and less power to Alberta. Every province will be able to be free in their own jurisdictions. And uh, that's the only way to uh, have unity in this country and prosperity. And I'm asking uh, your viewers to go on our website, peoplespartyofcanada.ca, and read our platform. You'll see our radical decentralization platform that will give you more freedom and uh, and more prosperity for everybody. You know, Max, I just got one more question by what you have just said, and that is this decentralization. I have become increasingly concerned by the power of the prime minister's office 
under this current prime minister. And I know those who were on the left had a lot of trouble with the power of the prime minister under the Harper government, but everyone's complaining when their side is not in power. But one of the things that I worry about in this country is the power of the prime minister. What is your thought with respect to freedom and the power of the prime minister? If you look at the official opposition, the, the Conservative Party of Canada, you know, you look at you looked at what they did the last two years. You know, that government, the Trudeau government, uh, was able to govern it by decree without going to the parliament. And mm. the Conservative approved that because they said it's a big emergency and we must give more powers to the, the cabinet. And they did it. But actually, during the first uh, world war, in the UK, they had the parliament. The parliament was open and they had discussion about that. Churchill has to go in front of the parliament and being sure that his war plan was approved by the government. And now we said the last two years here, the conservative, oh, it's okay. You can decide everything and you don't have to come to in parliament for debate what you are doing. They approve mm. everything. So what we must do, we must be able to be sure that we will respect the parliament. We will have also more free votes in parliament. MPs will be able to vote in line with their values and their conscience. I think it's important. If you respect the constitution, you'll have these debates in the house and you give more importance for an MP. And the role of a member of parliament must not be to just, you know, saying yes to the party or saying yes to the government every time without any debates. We need to have debates and I'm welcoming that. But the last two years, we didn't have any debates. And all these official opposition, the NDP, the conservative, they said, okay to Trudeau. They gave him a lot of power and he used it. That was wrong. We must go back to the real role of a parliament like we had before. You're in for cutting back the powers of the prime minister. Yeah, because cutting back the power, it's for sure you need to have debates in your own party. And after that, you need to have debates in parliament. So I'm for having more debate with our own party and with, with parliament. That would be, and like that, when you have debates like that, you have always a better solution mm. at the end of that process. I couldn't agree with you more. The importance of having the debates and the discussion instead of just having the, the one line of view and, and all the rest. So great. Well, thank you so very much, Max. I thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I appreciate that opportunity. And I'll always be there for another interview, another subject. Uh, you know, thank you for very much for giving me the opportunity to speak to you uh, and to your viewers. So my goal is to be uh, present in social media. So we may have uh, a chance to do uh, that again a little bit later, maybe at the end of the summer. I will be able to tell you what I did during the summer. And I can okay. tell you I will be busy. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you so much. And I want to thank you, our viewers, for keeping in contact with freedom feature. And as I've made very clear, you may not agree with the views that are expressed here by my guests or even by myself, but that's okay. That's why we're here. We're here for open, honest, transparent dialogue. And until next time, I'm Barry Bussey. The fight for freedom consists not only in the legal battles in court, but also in the battle of ideas at the universities and in the media. It takes time, effort, and money to keep on top of the debates for freedom. 
Your donation allows us to keep fighting for all Canadians. Firstfreedoms.ca